Welcome to Creators by Moonlight. Real conversations with content creators. Willow Osborne is a musician from Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. At age three, she decided the banjo would be her life's work. And she continues that work nearly 20 years later. In this interview, she talks about her life as a child performer, being featured in an IMAX movie, and life as an independent music artist. When I was uh, about three and a half, my mom took me to see a show here in town. I saw this this guy in the pre-show, his name was Gary Biscuit Davis, and he was up there playing his banjo, and I was just amazed. So I turned to my mom and I said, Mom, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. You know, I want to play banjo and I want to make people happy. from Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. I was originally born in Huntsville, Alabama, but we moved up here when I was about four. So all the memories I really have of, of growing up are, are, you know, in the hills of Tennessee. Pigeon Forge is kind of set right at the foothills of the entrance to the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. So it's about 20 minutes uh, from my camper and I can just go anytime I want and sit up there in the mountains and listen to the birds and play some banjo. And it's so soothing and relaxing and I I love it. I absolutely feel a connection to the land when I play. I think that there is nothing more powerful than going out in, you know, in the hills here and playing music and singing because I mean, truly that is just <laughs> I mean, that is being, you know, in tune in a sense that's, you know, that's a music pun, but that's being in tune with with the world around you. I think there's a beautiful connection between music and healing. And I think that nature also has that same effect, especially here. You know, you can go up into the mountains and, you know, just sit there and feel the ground and just sit there with your instrument and be inspired by the birds moving around or, you know, the trees blowing in the wind and leaves rustling or hearing little squirrels. And it just reminds you that no matter what's going on in in the world or in your life, you know, you're part of this beautiful thing. You can just sit down for a moment, relax, play your banjo, and just feel okay. So my childhood was definitely unlike any others, I would say. I picked up the banjo when I was four. I said, Mom, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. You know, I want to play banjo, and I want to make people happy. And so for my fourth birthday, she was going to try and buy me a toy banjo because, you know, when your kid is that young, you're not sure if they really want to do that or if um you know it's just kind of a passing phase so she went to all these different shops couldn't find one the last one that she went to said uh you know this guy there said don't buy her toy buy the real thing and i'll teach her and it turns out that that was uh that was gary biscuit davis the guy that i had seen playing and, and who inspired me it also turns out that he is uh the five-time international banjo champion and was dolly parton's band leader for years and produced her albums I mean, he was just absolutely incredible. And um, so he started teaching me on my fourth birthday. My first lesson was, was uh, on my birthday. 
And um, he's been teaching me ever since. And he never ceases to amaze me. Being mentored uh, by, by Gary Biscuit Davis really was the most inspiring thing in my life because it was something that, you know, I'd go to, to class every week and every week I was inspired by, by Biscuit and he was so patient with me and so kind. And, you know, no matter how many, how many times I messed up, he would just continue trying to help me. And I think really what made the difference was because he believed in me. And having someone that believes in you really makes all the difference, especially when you're at such a young age. And I can't imagine teaching a four-year-old. <laughs> I, you know, I think that I was probably pretty well behaved, but I still cannot believe the patience that that would take. Um, you know, my mom, I always tell the story because I, I love this, that she would actually give me M&Ms if I practiced well for an hour. If I did good, she'd feed me M&Ms. And, you know, I still, I tell, you know, I, I tell my students that, you know, if you're having trouble, um, you know, getting through this, this song or this lick, just give yourself some M&Ms after you do it right. And that'll be, that'll be good motivation. Her talent for playing the banjo at such a young age allowed Willow to pursue a career as a child performer in the various country music shows of southeastern Tennessee. Pigeon Forge is beautiful. Uh, it is a tourist area because uh, of the Great Smoky Mountains, obviously, and uh, Dollywood, <laughs> Dollywood Theme Park, uh, which is huge and amazing and actually was where I, I got my start performing at eight. I was in three of their shows, Babes in Toyland, Chicago Hay, and Twas Night Before Christmas where I sang and danced a little bit and uh, primarily acted. I was homeschooled, which allowed me to uh, perform every night, which, which I loved. Being homeschooled and, you know, being in a professional environment um, as, as early as eight definitely wasn't the, <laughs> uh, you know, norm for a child, but I sure did love it. My childhood was filled with music, with friends and happiness, um, as far as that goes. And, you know, it's funny because... When I started kindergarten, I was, you know, I, I went to public school for kindergarten and I was so unhappy. I would cry every day and, you know, beg my mom not to take me because all I wanted to do was stay at home and play banjo. And so obviously she knew that um, <laughs> she didn't want her kid to cry every day. So, <laughs> um, so I was able to uh, start being homeschooled and um, things kind of just took off from there. Being in show business since eight, has been wonderful, has been stressful. <laughs> it's been a real mix of so many different things, but overall it's been good, which is, I, I think, is how a lot of performers would maybe talk about, you know, their experience with show business. So like I said, I was in three shows at Dollywood that started when I was eight. The thing that was missing from Dollywood was just that I couldn't play my banjo there because it was more of an acting singing role. And I really wanted to, you know, play the banjo. So I went over to uh, another theater here in town called the Country Tonight Theater and auditioned. And I got the role for female uh, youth performer. And then I stayed there for almost nine seasons, which was pretty much my whole childhood, <laughs> which is crazy to think about. I had people backstage, my cast members actually pulled some of my, my baby teeth 
before shows, <laughs> which is so funny. You know, um, that's what I mean too, but I definitely didn't have a normal childhood, but it's like, that was fun. But it really is a lot of pressure on anyone in show business, but especially young, you know, child performers. It's a lot of pressure because not only are you dealing with, um, you know, normal growing pains, you're also dealing with, uh, pressure of performing every night and the consistency. And, you know, you're in social circles that are much older than you. You know, you are kind of into the adult world a lot sooner than maybe you would be normally. You know, I'm thankful for that in a way because honestly, I don't know if this, you know, is part of it, but I don't really socialize that well with people my own age. So, you know, it was, it was kind of normal for me to be, you know, 10 or 11 and sitting back there and just, you know, talking with my <laughs> 30, 40 year old coworkers about, you know, stock markets and, and stuff like that, um, which is just funny. But I look back on, you know, my years there and I had a wonderful time. Um, it was a lot of pressure, but, you know, I think everybody handles that sort of thing differently. And at the end of the day, I loved what I was doing and, you know, having people come up to me after the show and shake my hand and say, you know, thank you so much. You know, we, we love the show and, you know, we, we hope to come back. That's really what makes all of it worth it. You know, is knowing that somebody enjoyed what you did and you made that connection with someone that maybe they'll, you know, take home from their vacation, you know, they'll take with them for, for a while. And so I think in those moments where things were really stressful, I tried to kind of zoom out and remember things like that. It didn't always work, but <laughs> sometimes it did. My parents, my parent dynamic is a little bit interesting. Um, my father actually left, uh, left us when I was about eight. Um, so right about the time that I started performing, we went a couple of years where, you know, I, I would see him periodically. Um, and then. Uh, I haven't really seen or talked to him in many years now, but my mom was always very supportive. She's, you know, she has always been the one, you know, in my corner for me. And I, I really can't thank her enough for all the sacrifices and all the things that she did for me growing up. You know, she was always the one that's like, okay, well, you want to go to this festival? We're going to have to drive for 16 hours. Let's get in the car and go. <laughs> you know, you know, my mom was definitely protective of me because you know like we talked about a little bit earlier show businesses you know you're you're put in front of 400 500 people every day and that sometimes is not you know the safest environment for anyone but nonetheless you know a, a small child and so my mom definitely was protective of me sometimes to the point where I would be a little bit irritated <laughs> but looking back as you know as an adult now I, I understand Underscoring all of her early achievements was the love of the banjo. Willow describes how she advanced her musical skills, as well as her involvement in the bluegrass community. The banjo is definitely an interesting instrument. Um, it's got five strings and it's tuned to G. Now, the banjo looks a little bit interesting, you know, when you first look at it because it's got, you know, Traditionally, it's got a big, round, um, you know, white, flat surface, um, which is the head of the banjo. 
then from there, it's kind of funny because, you know, on a guitar, right, you would look at the, the headstock, which is the, you know, the top part of the instrument where the tuning pegs are, and all the tuning pegs are there. But with the five-string banjo, the fifth string actually begins on the fifth fret. Um, so it's kind of peculiar to look at if you're, if you're not used to it because you have four tuning pegs on the top and then you have this, this lone uh, fifth you know, peg on the, on the side of your neck. Um, <laughs> but the banjo is, is quite an amazing instrument. You know, it's, it's rich in history, uh, especially in bluegrass and folk and, you know, truly so many other genres. People always say the banjo is a really difficult instrument to learn. And I would agree and disagree with that at the same time, because I think that any instrument is going to be challenging to learn if you, you know, if you don't play an instrument already, if you're just beginning, any instrument's going to be difficult. But I think that, um, banjo is so rewarding. You know, it's, it's definitely worth the, you know, the challenge at the beginning. I play the three finger Scrug style. With the Scruggs three-finger style, you are, you know, traditionally probably planting your pinky or your ring finger or both down onto the head near the bridge. And then you have metal finger picks on uh, your middle finger, your index, and then your thumb. And you'll play with those three fingers, um, you know, which is kind of like the <laughs> how it's called, the three-finger style. And then with claw hammer, you actually don't wear picks. And it's kind of more of a... This might not be the best way to describe it, but it's more of a strumming kind of pattern. I would love to learn claw hammer eventually. It's just something that I spent uh, so much time working on Scrug style, uh, you know, throughout the years that it never really occurred to me, hey, <laughs> you know, I should I should learn claw hammer. But I think that's going to be an endeavor for me in the next uh, in the next year because in the last six months I've been exposed to a lot of really good claw hammer banjo even just at, at festivals, and I really have gained a, a new respect for it. You know, I, I never disliked it. I just I hadn't listened to enough claw hammer banjo to really understand and, and get a good feel for it, but I love it. My music, I would say, is now kind of all over the place. Definitely still rooted in bluegrass. Bluegrass is, the best way I can describe it, I think, is a traditional sound. Um, of a string band and a good story all around a good time. It's either all around a good time or a high lonesome sound, <laughs> um, which is, uh, you know, for anybody listening that uh, plays bluegrass, you know, you'll, you'll definitely, you'll definitely get that. But also, you know, I, I love all genres of music and I'm starting to branch out into, uh, you know, more folk and Americano and um, different subgenres like that. Some of the staples that I play would be Old Home Place, uh, which is a J.D. Crow in the New South tune. Um, J.D. Crow, he actually passed away uh, a couple months ago, but he was one of the pioneering banjo players. He was absolutely incredible. I actually had the honor of um, playing on stage with him a couple times and getting my picture taken with him. He was an incredible man, and, and I think it's so funny because... Uh, I was at Bean Blossom Bluegrass Festival one year, and um, I was waiting backstage because they said, oh, yeah, you know, JD's going to be back here in a minute. So they said, you know, just wait back here and, you know, we'll get your picture taken with him. So I was waiting and I was maybe 12 or 13. And, you know, here comes my, my banjo hero walking in and he's like, 
He's looking at his phone and he's just like, you know, I just get these these spam calls all the time. Do you know how to fix this? And I, I'm just like, my mind is just blown because I'm sitting there looking at my banjo hero and he's asking me if I can fix the spam calls on his phone. <laughs> oh my goodness, it was so funny. So, you know, I love to to play Old Home Place, uh, you know, because it's it's definitely reminiscent of, of him. And it, I would say it's one of his most popular tunes. You know, it's one that you play and people think, oh, you know, that's a J.D. Crow tune. Another uh, few staples that I like to play, you know, when I do sets and shows are some of my original tunes. I'm going to have one that's actually releasing pretty soon, and it's called Daybreak. And Daybreak is a song that I wrote. It was just, uh, let's see, it was last year, and I was just kind of sitting on my bed, and I was thinking about, you know, the state of the world, and, and I just thought, you know, everybody needs a little bit more hope right now. And so I sat down and kind of my method for writing songs is I usually write lyrics before music. Not always, but that's usually what comes to me first. So I sat down and I wrote, uh, you know, what I hope to be an inspiring song to people about um, just knowing that no matter what happens, there's going to be another sunrise. Um, there's going to be more blue skies and, you know, it's going to be okay. Hopefully that song will, will help people who are struggling because, you know, it's, it's definitely one that I can relate to and I think anybody can relate to. And I think the world needs more hopeful songs. I felt very welcomed by most of the people in Bluegrass community. I think that the Bluegrass community is very, you know, loving and considerate um, most of the time. There were some instances at festivals where it was a little hard for me to, to break into jam circles or to be taken seriously because, you know, I'm a small, <laughs> I'm a small girl that's, you know, people would always say, oh, the banjo's bigger than you are, <laughs> you know. And I actually, you know, I always hated that. But then once I got older and looked back at pictures, I thought, you know what, they were actually kind of right. <laughs> but I definitely did experience... Uh, Sometimes just not being taken seriously uh, because I was, you know, a small a small girl playing the banjo and it was kind of like, oh yeah, well, she, she probably, you know, knows a song or, or something like that. It's like, you know, well, I've worked really hard on this and, and that's why I think it's really heartwarming to see. We, you know, we went to a festival a couple of weeks ago. I saw a lot of kids there and they were being treated as equals and... No matter how they played, they were still welcomed into all the jam circles, and I thought that was just really a wonderful thing to see. <laughs> I think that you can be born with, you know, a love for music, and, you know, you can have it in your blood, but also I do think that it's something that you can, you know, decide that you want to do later on in life and, and pick it up. For me personally, it was never a choice for me. I, you know, I can't ever remember a time where I didn't play the banjo. I can't ever even remember, you know, choosing the banjo. That's what I wanted to do. And I can't imagine doing anything else um, for the rest of my life. And, you know, I think that there's a difference, too, between, uh, you know, people that play as a passion and people that play as a hobby, and both are fine. But I think that, you know, for me, it's definitely my passion in life. And, you know, nothing is, is more inspiring to me than 
playing music. Nothing is more healing to me than playing music. I think that there was really no choice um, for me whether I wanted to play music or not. But that being said, I think that there are so many wonderful musicians that, you know, didn't realize that they loved music until later on in their life and, you know, just were able to, to uncover that, that passion and uh, desire to play and, you know, go forth and, and do wonderful things. Because of her hard work, Willow was able to garner various sponsorships that allowed her to continue advancing her craft. When I was four, the banjo that I got was uh, a travel size, so kind of like a mini, and it has been worn out. Uh, it actually has stickers around the outside of it because, once again, the reward system for me. When I would complete a, a good lesson or a good song or do something really good, my teacher would give me a sticker. And so I, you know, I'm still missing one sticker. I'm not upset about it, but I do think about it sometimes. <laughs> so then after that banjo, a couple years later, I moved on to a recording king, which is my first, my first big girl banjo. I still have all my banjos. You know, it's, it's an attachment. All right. <laughs> um, so then I have, uh, my recording king and then I got my Sierra. And then I got my six string and then I got my Frank Neat, and then I got my Calico. So that is six. And then I have, I have some, uh, really old kind of, uh, I don't know exactly what the name is for them, but they're very small banjos that are, um, that were actually my great grandmother's and they're not playable, but, uh, you know, if you count those, <laughs> uh, I've got eight. And then I have uh, I've got a mandolin and three guitars and I got quite a few, I <laughs> quite a few instruments. So I was uh, sponsored by Deering Banjos, um, I believe, when I was eleven or twelve. So that was my first sponsorship. I was obviously pretty young, and it kind of just blew my mind that <laughs> um, that they would want to sponsor me. Uh, you know, with their banjos because Deering's a really awesome, notable name. I have uh, a Deering Sierra. That was my first banjo from them. And then I I got a Deering six string. And then now the banjo that I play all the time, which is my main banjo, is the, the Deering Calico um, with the clear head instead of a frosted head, which is just a little modification that I, that I made. I, I mean, I can't even express how excited I was uh, just being able to open the cases to those banjos the first time. They had engraved my name, you know, in the in the inlay on the frets, and it was just so cool. And it was like, okay, well, you know what? Practicing is hard, but <laughs> this is this has made it worth it. And then uh, a couple years later, I was sponsored by GHS Strings, uh, which is really just a really famous um, string company. I play the <laughs> I play the JD Crow PF135 studio set, which you know talking about J how JD was my hero, um, you know. So I play I play a signature set of strings. You know, strings are something that people don't take into account for how much they cost, and especially if you're playing a lot, you know, you you definitely want to have fresh strings on because it makes it easier to play, you sound better, and especially if you're playing gigs that you're getting paid for you definitely want to sound good 
when I was playing at Country Tonight, you know, every night, I would probably change my strings once or twice a week. It was just really helpful to to be able to have that sponsorship and that helped definitely financially to be able to save money because I would have been spending, you know, 20, 20 bucks a week on strings. And, you know, when you're, when you're young and, um, you, you're in school and, and also, you know, you're traveling to different festivals and things like that. You definitely try to save money wherever you can. A few years after my GHS uh, strings endorsement, I was actually, endorsed by um, Frank Neat, who is an amazing banjo maker out of um, Kentucky. And he makes neat banjos, uh, N-E-A-T banjos. And he made a, a custom banjo for me that is just phenomenal. It's it's gold-plated and just what a, a beautiful work of, of craftsmanship. And uh, it's it's really the the traditional traditional bluegrass banjo workhorse i mean it's just you walk up to it with a jam and and it's loud and and awesome and <laughs> it's beautiful and it's just um i was incredibly blessed and, and fortunate to be able to uh to have that banjo from him and then uh let's see it, it's, it's almost a year and a half now that i've been endorsed with black mountain picks which black mountain picks are really cool because they have kind of taken a normal thumb pick and turned it into kind of a new new innovative design that's not been done before where uh they're made out of plastic which normal normally picks uh you know are made out of metal and then your thumb pick usually has a tiny piece of plastic at the end but black mountain picks are, are totally made out of plastic and then it looks like uh you have a a flat pick on the on the outside part, so the part that's actually hitting the string. So you have more surface area there uh, than normal picks, and they actually have a spring to hold together, you know, the the part that wraps around your thumb, and then the the flat pick, which is really cool. And so whenever whenever Cole, the business owner, came up and and said, you know, love to have you, uh, you know, make some videos for us, and sent me some picks, and I was like course i'd love to i'd love to play with these picks um they have regular and then they have a jazz pick and i usually play with the jazz pick because it's just a little bit smaller and because my hands are pretty small the jazz pick is is definitely uh you know perfect for, for my size so if anybody's listening and needs some some picks i love my black mountain picks so i would definitely check them out because they're unlike anything that i've ever played with before and i can guarantee that you know you probably haven't tried anything like that before so definitely something to try out and see if you like the way that i choose my banjo really i think is what kind of gig i'm playing now i will say my calico has been my main banjo for six six years now um so she's kind of you know she's my baby she's been with me through everything <laughs> she's had many tears cried on her and many many joyous songs played and so you know i i love her but I will say if I'm going to play, you know, a really traditional, straightforward bluegrass gig, I would definitely reach for my, my neat banjo because, like I said, it's like, it's set up to be just the, the awesome traditional, traditional flathead banjo. One day, Willow received a chance invitation to be featured in the IMAX movie, America's Musical Journey. My experience with 
filming America's Musical Journey was probably one of the most amazing experiences of my life, if not the most. It's so funny because the way that I got offered to do the the film uh, was just through an email. I read this email and I looked at it and I'm like, Mom, I think this is spam. <laughs> I was like, Mom, I think this is like, I think this is not real. I think this has got to be spam. So my mom was like, well, let's just email back and see what they say. And, um, well, it was, it was, uh, legitimate to my amazement. And it was funny because it was just kind of like they'd found me through YouTube and they were going to be filming in Nashville in like, uh, a month. And so not a lot of time to kind of mentally prepare yourself. And I was 16 at the time. Still pretty young in my head, you know, at 16, I was like, oh yeah, I'm an adult, you know, but <laughs> looking back, it's like, I was still pretty young. I'm not sure why they chose me <laughs> when um, there's a million really awesome, better than me banjo players uh, in Tennessee, but I, I hope that what they, what they saw was someone that was really passionate and loved music and um, wanted to help further the the love of music which you know america's musical journey is is kind of showing how music spread throughout the united states and um just a continuation of music's growth and hopefully they saw someone that you know wanted to help expand the growth of music and the love of music so hopefully that's why they chose me i don't know um why exactly but that's the best thing i can think of we traveled to nashville and we filmed for about four days we, we had the chance to go and record in, in Blackbird Studio, which was a really, really cool experience. And I can just remember, I was going to record the soundtrack, for, you know, a song on the soundtrack, and I, I remember going outside uh, out of the studio and just kind of having a mental breakdown <laughs> of being like, ah, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do this. <clears throat> and just kind of like practicing what I needed to play over and over and over. And just thinking like, okay, well, you're here you have to do this so you gotta suck it up willow <laughs> and so i you know i went inside and it was just really cool the film was actually narrated by morgan freeman but the story is told through aloe black who um, is you know a very famous artist and uh you know he he sang the song wake me up which it's so cool because you know a few years prior to that I was just at a really low point in my life and I can remember listening to that song and feeling hopeful and then a couple years later I was just in the studio recording with him and it was just like an amazing moment of just thinking, wow, I'm so glad that I was able to, you know, have hope and, and continue on because now I'm sitting here with a person that helped me get through those moments and, and music's, you know, like I said, music is incredibly healing. So that was a really cool experience. After that, we traveled, when I say we, my mom and I traveled to um, the Smithsonian a couple months later when the movie, the, the film premiered. Uh, it had a three-day premiere and um, I played at each premiere and that was just mind-blowingly cool. Um, <laughs> it was really nerve-wracking too. But everyone was so kind there and just so welcoming. It was just an amazing experience. And, you know, they got, you know, hotels for us and then sent little tacos up and just like little things like that. They're really, 
made you feel special <laughs> and just added to the experience. Uh, and then throughout that year, we went to um, a premiere in Seattle and then a premiere in Memphis at the Aquarium. Uh, in Seattle, it was at the, the Pop Culture Museum. But I mean, just truly what an amazing life-changing experience. And I, I just will always be so grateful for it. You can watch America's Musical Journey. It is still premiering in different IMAX theaters across the world, but also you can view it on Amazon and, and YouTube, I believe, actually. Now in her 20s, Willow has recommitted herself to pursuing life as a musician. She currently focuses her efforts on touring, promotion, and teaching others. When I was 17, I left Country Tonight the following year, just about when I was ready to turn 18. And it was a really hard decision for me because, you know, that's where I'd grown up and I loved all my friends there. They were my family. But I wasn't growing anymore and I'd gotten lazy and I really struggled because I didn't know what I was going to do next. You know, I kind of, I took a break. Um, I worked as a barista for Starbucks. And I did that for a couple of years and then I got back into performing and those were such sad years of my life and I realized that I missed playing more than anything and how much I, I needed it, that it was something that I could never stop doing because it was essential to my happiness and my well-being. But taking that break was good for me because I, I discovered that because I'd never had a time in my life where I wasn't playing music and I didn't know what it felt like. It's interesting because as a 18 year old, I would think back on my my days as a musician and and, and reminisce, you know, like I, I was a much older person, you know, that they couldn't play anymore and was just, just sad. And that's really the way I felt inside. It was just like um, my best days were behind me because I wasn't sure where I was supposed to go next, what direction I was supposed to head in. And I think that that can be really something that people struggle with who have done a lot of things and had a lot of experiences so young. So it's like, well, now what do I do? And that's when you have to grow a lot, I think, because I was comfortable for a really long time at Country Tonight. And now I'm in the phase where I, I've been in this phase for a little bit where it's just I have to grow a lot and I am you know I'm proud of the growth that I've made but it's like I I have a lot bigger goals now that are kind of like well this would be crazy if I could do this but it'd be really cool and I think those are the kind of goals that you have to set for yourself the ones that you almost don't believe in because they're just oh they're you know they're too far away but those are the ones that you have to believe in because those are the ones that they keep you reaching for, for success and for the passion and, and the happiness that you get. Typical day for me would be I wake up, I go out to the kitchen, I get my bunny, uh, Miss Butters, her breakfast banana. Um, <laughs> she, uh, bless her heart, she, she's on seizure medication. Um, and so the only way that she'll take it is uh, banana. And so we have, we have breakfast and bedtime banana. 
And, and then after that, she gets her morning parsley. Uh, it's actually her birthday today. She's five. So we're going to celebrate with some uh, watermelon and strawberries and blueberries a little bit later and go to PetSmart and pick out a, a little toy. Um, <laughs> so that'll be fun. Uh, and then usually I'll make some breakfast. And then right now, my my boyfriend and um, musical partner, uh, Jesse, and I have been you know working on a bunch of music and we've been kind of on and off the road for a while. So today we're going to do some laundry and get packed up because tomorrow we're leaving for Kentucky. We'll play a show in Glasgow, Kentucky. And then after that, we will hit the road again, probably that night. And then on Saturday, we play in Georgia. Uh, I believe in Suwannee is maybe how you say it. And then Sunday, we'll be back, <laughs> back in Tennessee. And um, I believe we're going to try to sit down and write some original music, maybe some instrumentals, which I think will be fun. Um, so really, my days are just filled kind of with, uh, you know, taking care of Miss Butters, playing music with Jesse and, and, you know, solo as well. And then kind of the mundane things of life, you know. But I will say, we just finished watching uh, Avatar, The Last Airbender, which was my first time ever seeing that. And now we're watching The Legend of Korra. So that's kind of been a daily a daily routine for a while now. You know, I do love my fair share of uh, of TV shows and movies. So I, I do spend a little bit of time doing that uh, on a regular basis. But, you know, what can I say? <laughs> I love all art in all forms. You know, it's interesting. Um, the last, uh, let's see, six months, I think I've been to about 15 different states, which has been the most I've been to in that short of a time period, which was really fun. In November, uh, Jesse and I, and then uh, we, we were a part of this band called Bar J Bar um, from LA, and we toured uh, about 13 different states just in November, um, which was incredibly fun. And that was my first real experience of kind of being in a tour van and not being able to shower for a few days <laughs> and uh, learning how to how to brush your teeth and you know McDonald's bathroom and trying to avoid people staring at you uh, <laughs> which you know it sounds kind of rough but really it was fun it was fun um, <laughs> and I loved it I, I you know I hope to do that again you know, growing up, because I was performing, you know, at Country Tonight, uh, about 400 shows a year, I really didn't have too much freedom to travel and do that kind of thing. So that's what I'm hoping that, you know, this this next phase of my life will bring is just being able to travel and meet new people and play new places and go to festivals and uh, just explore. Last weekend, let's see, is it just Saturday, um, we went to see Billy Strings in Virginia and uh Billy is one of the most inspiring young artists out there to me. He is just so phenomenal. I mean he's a phenomenal musician and entertainer and singer, but also he's helped bridge a lot of genre gaps and I think that's really inspiring. You know, also to someone who, you know, I, I love all kinds of music. You know, growing up I loved classic rock a lot and, you know, Billy kind of bridges the gap between 
bluegrass and, and rock a lot of the times. I mean, they, they encored with a Pink Floyd song whenever we were there. And I just thought that was so cool. And it's like, oh, yeah, you know, they can have a banjo playing on you know Pink Floyd song. I could do that. So it's really cool, really inspiring. I obviously, Bela Fleck is probably one of my biggest heroes. His newest bluegrass album is incredible. And um, if I could somehow one day play every song on there, I think I would be happy with myself. <laughs> I think that I think then I would say, okay, I've done good. <laughs> um, but uh, Bela is incredibly inspiring and just phenomenal. Um, also, the Punch Brothers might go see them at some point this year. I would love to to see them on tour but Noam and, and Chris are I mean everybody in the band but specifically to me Noam and Chris are just uh so inspiring such creative people and have really taken you know their instruments to the next level and I think that someone coming from a traditional bluegrass background um you know I definitely want to learn how to take it even further you know to the next level and I think that Billy and Bela and, and Noam and Chris all do that so you know, it's it's definitely something that, that I spend a lot of time watching and listening to. I am completely independent. So I, I do all my bookings and all my show planning. And in music, there's always going to be a struggle between, you know, the business aspect and the actual art aspect. Because usually people that are heavy into art are not too good at the business side of it or don't really at least they don't enjoy it very much you know it is definitely a worry but I think that it's just something that you have to kind of kind of muster through because you have to you have to to run a business as well you know unfortunately um you know you have to know how to run a business and run social media to make it as an artist today I definitely I'm one that I don't like technology. I don't, I don't like doing, doing things on the internet, but unfortunately, you know, that's just something that I have to, you know, make a cup of coffee or some tea and breakfast and sit down and be like, okay, I'm going to spend the next hour working on this. And this just has to be done. You just kind of have to look at it as something that's like, I got to do this. Hey everybody. Welcome back to another basic banjo lesson with Willow. This week we're going to work on one of my favorites. I actually had a YouTube channel from a very young age. I believe that my YouTube channel was started in 2011. You know what really, it's funny, what really made it grow was this video of me playing Foggy Mountain Breakdown. And I believe I was just 12 in the video. And um, it's got about 12 million views now. Um, it kind of went viral, um, which is really cool. And it definitely helped my channel to grow and, um, you know, still helps it helps it grow each month which is really cool but you know i think that as far as my basic banjo lessons that i have on my channel i think that it can be really discouraging for someone you know trying to just pick up their banjo and they're like looking around online and everything that they find is either tablature that they don't read yet or lessons that are you know made for people that are that have been playing for a year or two kind of more intermediate lessons. And so I thought, well, you know, this could be fun. This could be fun to just kind of make, you know, these basic, you know, banjo lessons and, and little licks a little bit more accessible to people that are just starting out. And, you know, I think that I've also learned quite a bit from teaching as well. 
And that's kind of extended into, you know, teaching on lesson phase now. Honestly, teaching is so fun. I had this moment last week that one of my students has been working on Cripple Creek for a couple months, and we really dove into it as far as, you know, just nitty gritty details and also working on the backup so that he could play it, you know, in, in jams and back people up too. And last week I, I said, you know, I think that, I think we're good on this one. I think that this is good. I think that we can move on. I think, you know, I'll, we'll come back to it in a couple of weeks and see, you know, cause that's the real test. But I said, you know, I think this is, this is good. And it just made me feel so happy and excited that he had, uh, he perfected the song that we've been working on. So it's, you know, it's, it's really, I think, rewarding for both parties to, you know, to be able to give lessons. And like I said, I've learned a lot from just setting up my camera and trying to explain what I'm doing to, you know, to someone. Cause I've realized that <laughs> I've realized through teaching that sometimes I just play and I don't really understand like, huh, what am I actually doing here? <laughs> so having to, to explain it and break it down to someone has made me aware of, you know, a lot of different things that I do in my playing. And, and, you know, that's really cool. I love seeing comments that say, I can't wait to get my banjo out after work and, and try this one out or, uh, you know, maybe I'll come back to this one after, after, you know, I work on part one. So I always, I like to break songs up into two parts because I think that that makes it a little bit more, um, easy to digest too because i think that's another thing where it can be completely overwhelming for someone that's just picked up a banjo for the first time to look at a 10 minute or 15 minute video and just think i don't know i don't know if i can i can you know sit through this and and understand it all so i think that when you break it up into smaller pieces it makes it a little bit more digestible and it's easier to sit down and think okay well this is a 5 minute lesson so I can sit down and I can work on this. And if I don't have it, you know, it's five minutes. I can just rewind and, and you know, do it over. But it's it's really nice to see people having fun and, and playing and getting out their banjos. And really, that's the whole goal of, you know, doing the, the lessons on YouTube is just to encourage people to play more. In 2022, I plan to um, expand, you know, my YouTube community, hopefully publish a lot more videos and, and banjo lessons. I'm going to be recording, uh, like I said, I'm going to be, you know, publishing my, my single Daybreak soon. And then um, I hope to release a banjo album later this year. It'd be really cool. And then just like I said earlier, traveling a lot, um, going to a lot of different festivals, playing every day, all the time, <laughs> um, just taking in a lot of good music and just working towards a lot of those goals that, that I have set for myself and, and really just diving in headfirst, devoting myself completely to, to music. The advice that I would give to struggling musicians or to banjo players, uh, you know, us banjo players are always struggling, <laughs> but I would just say, don't give up. Continue to believe in yourself. Know that, you know, everyone learns at a different pace. And, you know, if you're not learning as fast as, as you think that you should be, that's okay. Because I can guarantee you that everybody else thinks exactly the same thing. I think it's important to remember to play from your heart. If somebody doesn't like your playing, that's okay. Because if you're playing what you like, what makes you feel good, what makes your heart happy, if you're putting music out there that you're proud of, be proud of that. And 
just know that what you're doing matters. You know, music is is an endeavor that is is hard, but it's worth it. And I think that anybody that loves music and loves playing music knows exactly what you mean. You know, when when you talk about the the life of a struggling musician, because it's like sometimes you think, man, this is crazy. You know, I'm brushing my teeth in a McDonald's bathroom, but I'm actually really happy doing this because guess what? I get to go play a show in a state that I haven't been to yet tonight and share music with, with people I haven't met. And that is so worth it to me. So I guess just um, just don't give up and believe in yourself would be the, the, big, the big things for me. Thanks for listening to Creators by Moonlight. Email the show at creatorsbymoonlight at gmail.com and follow the show on social at creatorsbymoonlight.com.